Well, Razorback fans, got to turn the page to BYU, but the question has been asked to me, can and will the Hogs recover from this three-game skid? We'll talk about that as well as moving Malik Hornsby back to permanent backup quarterback for the Razorbacks and why officials, referees, however you want to put it, need to have press conferences after the game to answer questions. It's all coming up on today's Locked on Razorbacks podcast. You are Locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037thebuzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Hope everybody's having a wonderful Tuesday. As uh, It's beautiful weather outside, by the way. I love October in Arkansas. It's my favorite. And it's not only because it's my birthday month, but also because of the, the leaves changing and the weather getting like perfect when you walk outside and it's sunny, but not too cold, not too hot. Slight little breeze, you know, pumpkin candles all around. It's just a great time of year. So hope everybody's uh, enjoying their fall or at least their month of October so far. And, you know, today on the podcast, I, uh, I'm i trying to turn the page to BYU, which we'll have more BYU previewing and coverage and all that stuff here uh, as, the, uh, as the week goes on. But one of the things that I, I wanted to bring up, and it was something that got posed to me, uh, not only on my radio show, but uh, talking with friends and everything about this Razorback football team, is can the Razorbacks recover? And if so, how? How can they recover from this three-game skid? And Sam Pittman met with the media yesterday and talked about that three-game skid and uh, tried to maybe put some clarity on what uh, they're looking at and what they're trying to do when it comes to that. We'd lost three in a row last year and ended up in, in the top 20 in the country and, and finished out strong. Uh, I think, I think um, you know, we're all disappointed. Not, I don't know if it's just the losses or but how we've played the last two weeks, you know. I wouldn't put A&M in there. We made some mistakes there at the end of the A&M game in the second half. But the last two weeks, we just haven't played well. I feel real comfortable that uh, we'll have a good week of practice and we'll be excited to go play and and uh, get our quarterback back and some and hopefully we'll be able to get Slusher back. I, I still up, up up in the air right now. Thanks to Pig Trail Nation for that video. Uh, so basically, Sam Pittman is trying to look at it in the perspective of, hey, we did that last year, had a three game skid, we stormed back, we played really well and finished strong at the end. And we are capable of doing that again next uh, this year. So that's the right attitude to have. It, it's amazing to me, though, how many fans are just that some of y'all have lost it. <laughs> like, I understand being critical and I understand being upset and frustrated because I think everybody is. I think even, you know, Sam Pittman is, the team is, like, everybody's that. But some of y'all need to check yourselves at the door. Good grief. Like, like just losing your minds over it. And just, you know, I, like I said yesterday on the podcast, you got to wait and see. Wait and see what this team is capable of. But the question is, is can they recover? Well, first off, yes. Because Sam Pittman just laid it out last year. They went on a three-game losing skid. Now, granted, you could make an argument that you lost to three better teams last year with you losing the, the eventual national championship team, George, on the road. You lost to Ole Miss by one that uh, you could have won if you converted the two-point conversion on the road to end up winning 10 games that year. And uh, you also lost to Auburn, which was a bad loss. But you at least felt like those were better quality teams, where in this case, 
that A&M game hurts, and even Sam Pittman brought that out. But still, Bama is Bama. Losing to Mississippi State is like maybe the way you lost to them was bad, but still losing to them, they're a really good football team. So I don't see it that way. But it's about recovering now. It's about turning this around against BYU this weekend and, and getting back onto the right track. And so the, the the question is, can they recover? Yes, they absolutely can recover. But I think the right question that people need to be asking is how? How do they recover? How do they bounce back? Because last year, it was a different team, different circumstances. You know, you still had uh, a first-round pick, Traylon Burks, wide receiver, who was just uh, your bread and butter last year offensively, still had him. You had some depth in the secondary that was able to, to help you out a little bit. You had that going for you. Um, you had a, uh, a little bit of a, an easier schedule to understand, or at least to see where the teams were at, whether they were good or bad or whatnot. But you, had, you at least had a schedule that you could navigate. You felt like a, a little bit easier. So it's a different circumstance. So you can't look at it just from last year and say, oh, well, they did it last year. They'll do it again this year. I feel like you can if you're coaching. You can, like It's possible. But the circumstances are different. So how do you do it this year? Well, the obvious thing to me, first and foremost, is stop making mistakes. And when the other team makes mistakes, take advantage of it. It sounds very simplistic, but it's very true. If you're just able to go out there and not turn the ball over, for one, that helps. But I'm not even talking about that necessarily. Yeah, turnovers have been bad, but turnovers happen. Like, turnovers happen in games. It's just going to. I'm talking about the things that are unacceptable. Like the goal line situations on offense where you can't punch it in to score and you get zero points out of it. Stop doing that. Start converting that. That's how you can recover. That's how you can at least start recovering. Limit the freaking penalties. I feel like there's been, and in fact, I looked it up yesterday and I should have written it down. I could be mistaken here, but I'm pretty sure that out of the six games this year, three of those games, Arkansas has committed 10 or more penalties. That's stupid. Absurd. Stop that. Don't do that anymore. Stop committing so many dadgum penalties. That ends up costing you in these games. Like Those are the types of mistakes that you can limit. Like sometimes turnovers will happen. Saying they're right, but like not every like I mean Bryce Young threw a pick against Arkansas. And you know, sometimes it's just going to happen. But it's a matter of how like in the in the crucial part of the games and and the goal line stands, like the one with AM and, and KJ Jefferson diving over. Like that's that's an unacceptable one. But it's also about when you do make those mistakes, being able to recover from them as well. So I think Arkansas has had times where they've done that okay. But th that's just really more about the offense. The defense is, hey, go in, with the, go in with your strength. Like against BYU this weekend, please, for all that is holy, get after the dadgum quarterback. Just make it tough on him. Your secondary is not great. You don't have a lot of great players back there. You're not deep. You're having to move guys from wide receiver to secondary players just to add some depth. So just blitz the freaking quarterback. That's, that's like your best chance. It doesn't matter how many guys you drop. The quarterback's still going to find somebody open. So just throw your arms up and say, all right, well, in that case, let's just let's go make it tough on him. 
Do that. And also, when you're on defense, when the ball hits you in the hands for an interception, a surefire one, pick it. Like, so much momentum can change from a turnover. And you desperately, you're not a good enough team to not force the other team into any negative plays or to any turnovers and expect to win. Like, you're just not that good of a team. So when you do have those opportunities, when the ball hits you in the hand, pick it. Because that can really change the momentum, and especially if it's in plus territory, get your offense in a great position. Those are the mistakes that I'm talking about. And those are the mistakes that the other team makes that you need to take advantage of that I'm talking about. I can live with some mistakes. Penalties are going to happen. Turnovers are going to happen. Like, that's football. That's just the way it is. You're going to get sacked. You're going to give up a big play here and there. Like, it's just going to happen. But the mistakes that I cannot live with is the constant ones that end up being the reason why it costs you the game. Directly. If you're on the goal line, I don't care if you're a Division II team. If you're first and goal from the four, get points at the minimum. But you better punch it in for a touchdown. Every single time. That's what good physical teams do. You didn't do that twice on Saturday, and look what happened. You didn't do it against AM. Look what happened. You didn't do it against Missouri State, and look what almost happened. Start doing those things. If, and, and, and it's honestly, folks, it's fixable. It's so fixable. It's not like, well, this is just who they are. It's fixable. If they fix it, if they start doing it, wow. It's a different team. It's a different score. It's a different outcome. So, yes, they can recover. And forget play calling. Forget all scheme. No, forget all that stuff. Limit the mistakes and take advantage of the mistakes that the other team has. You do those two things alone. Like, nothing else can change. But you do those two things alone. Not only are you going to win the majority of your games the rest of the way, but you might find yourself in a position to win them all if you just do that very simple thing. Please. It's all we're asking. I know it's a lot. It's easier said than done. But I know you're capable of it. You just got to go out and actually do it. From cringing at the pump to eye-popping checks at your favorite restaurant. I mean, it's so expensive out there. Inflation's hitting us all. It's so absurd and it's so annoying and it really hurts. And we try to find other ways to alleviate some of that pain that inflation is costing us. And that's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. And with every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. No matter when I'm going to the gas pump. I mean, I've been making trips all over the place. I went to Dallas a couple weeks ago. I'm going back to Dallas here in a couple of days to fly out to go to BYU. I'm using Upside every time I'm at the gas pump. And I'm making money back, especially when I stop at the Bucky's. Got to make sure I do that. And it's very easy for you to do as well. To get started, download the free Upside app and use my promo code LOCKED. And you get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you've been using on Upside. You can check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit card or debit card, and then you get paid. In comparison, credit card rewards and loyalty programs, you can earn three times more than that with upside upside earners are using or upside users are earning more than a million dollars per week and that's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the app store so download the free upside app and use promo code locked to get five dollars or more cash back on your first purchase of ten dollars or more 
That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so continuing on with the Locked On Razorbacks podcast, and uh, you know Sam Pittman again met with the media yesterday, and one of the things that he was, of course, asked about and has been a question that a lot of you have had was about Malik Hornsby, and we saw how well he performed or at least he performed better as a quarterback option in the backup for KJ than he uh, did on on Saturday. So Sam Pittman was asked about the, the conversations he's had, and uh, he said, quote, I talked to Malik again, kind of had a Monday meeting with him last week and one today. He certainly earned that spot on Saturday. I just gave him a choice of whether he wanted to stay where he was at the number two quarterback now or whether he wanted to move to wideout or if he was interested in moving to corner. Obviously, the team needs some defensive back help. He'll have, to ex- he'll have to explain more than I can with it, but there was a big weight lifted off his back, I think, in the, with the way he performed. I think he validated what he thought about himself as a quarterback and what the team did. So that being said, Hornsby is moving back to quarterback, and he is going to be the backup quarterback for Arkansas moving forward. And I saw a lot of people freaking out about this quote or about this uh, message that Sam Pittman had about uh, Malik and about him just saying, hey, we're, you know, we're deciding to move back to quarterback. And I was like, oh, my God, fire these coaches. This is horrible. They have no idea what's going on. This is atrocious. Oh, gosh. Okay, people, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, uh, again, I am. I will always, always be critical of coaches when they deserve it. I was yesterday. I, I, I have been and I will be. I always will be. You know, people call me a homer and a fan, and that's fine. I take it. I really don't care. I am. But I'm loyal and homer, and I'm a fan to the school, not to the men that run it, not to the coaches. I want what's best for the University of Arkansas and their athletic program, and if what they're doing is not the best, then I'm going to call them out for it. That right there with Malik Hornsby is not a reason to criticize this coaching staff because of a few reasons. One, None of us are at those practices. None of us are having those conversations. And honestly, if Sam Pittman and Kendall Bryles and all these other coaches that are involved with the offensive staff, if they're going through those practices and they're talking with these players and they're going through meetings and film sessions and they're going through scout teams and all these things, like I have a hard time believing that Malik's just been showing up and doing everything right and just been killing it in practices and then just been killing it in those film sessions and just doing everything perfectly. And the coaching staff says, you know, you're just too good. You're doing too good of a job for you to be the backup quarterback. So we're not going to put you in there. That's dumb. That's not happening. There are things that have to be going on in practices and in these sessions and everything with Malik to make them feel like there were things that they saw, not only in last week's practice, but in practice, ball camp, however it is, to make the coaching staff feel like in those practices, he wasn't the right option. Maybe it was a confidence level. Maybe it was his carelessness for the ball. I don't know. Like, I, I'm not, I'm just speculating here. But for people to act like that the coaching staff knows how great he is, but they're just not playing him because. Uh, they don't like him. That's really dumb. Let, let's not forget, folks, this is the same cat that entered into the transfer portal 
And the coaching staff went to go talk to him to bring him back in. And he did. Okay. And this is the same guy that was frustrated, but got his playing time and performed. And Sam Pittman right there in that quote said that he met with him. They talked about it and he gave him the option. He's like, you earned your spot after the way you played on Saturday. You earned your spot as a quarter, as a backup quarterback, but it's up to you. I'm giving you the option. If you want to go to wide out, you know, we need some help at cornerback too. We can get you on the field a lot easier, or you can stay at the backup quarterback. He gave Malik that option. So it's the right move, obviously, to have him as a backup quarterback. Absolutely. And it's the right move for him to also give Sam Pittman, that is, to give him the options of what he wants to do and how he can help the team and see the field. But this is not a criticism. This is no reason to criticize the coaching staff and saying, oh, this is this is right here is an example of the ineptitude of the coaching staff. No, it's not. Folks, you're not. This isn't Chad Morris. This isn't stuff where it's like literally nobody has a clue what's going on. These guys do. And Malik, as much as I like the way he played against Mississippi State, there is a reason he's QB too. There's a reason why he's not starting. He's got some problems. He, like he's, he has no touch on his ball. He, I don't really always like his decisions when he's throwing the ball. He made some good throws, but there was a couple picks there. He's got work to do. And he ends up moving on or whenever he does, if Malik ends up being the guy that steps in, I'd probably be fine with that as long as he kept developing and working at some of those things. But I just never have seen this type of thing going on where I'm like, oh gosh, the coaching staff, what a bunch of jokers. No, it's, they are, they are doing right by all these players by, hey, if you show up, if you practice well, if you do the right stuff, then you're going to get your opportunities. And they even gave Malik that opportunity now because how, why, why? Well, why now? Why did they give him that chance? Why did they say you're in the spot? Because of how he played on Saturday. He earned it. Kay didn't play well. Malik did. So Malik earned it. You go out and you earn it. And Malik did. And that's what you got to do going forward. So I don't know. I, I just, I think it was a really over the top of like people using that quote or using this situation with Hornsby sticking at quarterback permanently as some sort of indictment on the coaching staff. I'm like, eh, no, no, it's not. I think everything's fine on that front. But uh, nice try for people that wanted to really uh, get after the coaching staff for that as well. Folks, I'm so excited because I know that Nissan is one of our uh, sponsors here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast, and they have worked with us in a new segment across the entire Locked On College network titled Thrilling Moments, where we highlight the most exciting play from the Arkansas Razorbacks, whether it's through history or from the previous game or whatever it may be. Now, obviously, last game did not have a whole lot of thrilling moments, but I did want to bring up one in history because Arkansas is going on the road to play BYU this weekend. And the last time that they went on the road in a non-conference game and won was in 2016 when they took on TCU down in Fort Worth. I had the, uh, the, the luxury of going down to that game in Fort Worth and the insanity that ensued from it all. It was an incredible game. If you haven't seen it or if you don't know the highlights, go on War Machine's YouTube page and you can watch it. It went to double overtime, and some of the craziest things happened in that game. Arkansas got up 20 to nothing, had a pick six. Then a missed field goal happened by Cole Edwin. TCU came storming back. They took the lead. And then Arkansas, it was 28 to 20. Arkansas goes down the field. 
they score a touchdown and they get a two point conversion, which is just phenomenal with only a minute or so left. And they Brett Bewa makes the great decision to kick off to Turpin for some reason. And he returns it almost for a touchdown. They get in field goal range. They line up to kick a field goal to win the game in regulation. Dan Skipper blocks it goes to overtime and in that overtime period both teams exchange field goals in the first one and then in the second one arkansas scores a touchdown or uh, no it was a uh, yeah so they both uh they both didn't score yeah they both uh ended up staying at the same score and i think both exchanged no they both exchanged touchdowns that's right touchdown sorry got all confused touchdowns there in the first overtime period then the second overtime period uh tcu got the ball first they kick a field goal and then Austin now ends up running it in as he gets pushed into the end zone for a touchdown to win the game. That was the last time Arkansas won on the road against a non-conference opponent in what was a thrilling fashion. And maybe this will be another thrilling fashion for, for Arkansas in this BYU game. So this segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs feature across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in all new Frontier, Armada, and Pathfinder today. Today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, so final segment here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Referees need to do press conferences. Now, this has nothing to do with Arkansas yet, but it has in history of uh, what they've had to deal with. Uh, but it was happy, actually happened in the Monday Night Football game last night, and really across uh, that weekend, where these roughing the passer penalties are getting out of hand. Like Derek Carr got a roughing the passer penalty for no reason. Tom Brady got a roughing the passer penalty for no reason. And it's just absurd. And I have, I have felt like this for a long time, and this is something I feel very strongly about. If players and coaches in college and in the NFL meet with the media and answer questions, especially if they've lost or if they've won, with the bad plays and the good plays, whatever it is, they stand there in front of the media and they answer questions. There was a kicker that blew the kick. If there was a uh, you know guy that missed the the wide open receiver for a touchdown, you know whatever it is, the negative plays especially those players in most in most cases go before the media and answer questions. So why don't officials be held to the same standard? They're just as part of the game as players and coaches. They'd have good plays and bad plays. Why can't they still be held accountable to the same standard where they go in front of the media and they answer questions? They answer questions as to what they did wrong, what they saw here. And even if it's not like what they did wrong, but maybe we are all just, you know, un unaware of the rules or unaware of how it works. And to hear the officials sit there and break down, okay, well, this is what happened. This is why it was a penalty. These are the rules that maybe you guys don't know. So it's not even like just to go at them and rip them a new one. It's to clarify some things. But instead, when referees blow calls and, and or have horrible calls that everyone's upset and irate about, they just get to go off into their locker room and nobody ever knows the wiser. Like nobody knows anything about anything that goes on. And it's just really dumb. And I think it's bad for the game. It's bad for the officials, honestly, because I feel like if you had people that were involved with the officiating, like I think it would help a lot with the clarity and uh, the human element of it all, too, to help people understand why they call it or how they call it. Or if they screwed up to be in the press conference and just say, I blew that one. It was on me. Like, I, I didn't know. I'm sorry. Like something, something better than what we're getting now, which is absolutely nothing. But I have said this for a long time. Officials, and at least in major college football and in the NFL, 
need to have press conferences, need to answer questions. Because if players can do it, and if coaches can do it, if they're required to do it, then officials should be required to do it as well. That's just my two cents on the matter. Appreciate everybody listening in to the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNavers. For any questions, comments, concerns that you may have, we'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then.